With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Grantling. And I'm Connor Orr. And Connor, we have a guest coming up in a little bit. Richard Johnson is going to join us to talk some NFL draft past, NFL draft future. A lot of Jacksonville Jaguars talk, I'm sure. Also, he's going to play our, our new game show, which he may enjoy. He may not. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it all depends on what kind of mood he's in. But, but Richard is a great guy, and I think he's going to be a... Uh, I think he's going to be a, a future hit, uh, recurring guest on the show. Let's hope. <laughs> let's let's hope he comes back after today. Yeah, that's true. It's it's more up to him. Going to be up to him. Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but let's start off the show with some talk about Tom Brady and his future in the broadcast booth. Look, when he was briefly retired, we were kind of wondering, well, what is what's he going to do now? apparently go back to football but uh you know was he gonna be a broadcast guy would he go into coaching would he just be a crypto evangelist in some way shape or form and that was going to be the rest of his life uh it looks like his future is going to be in part in the fox broadcast booth whenever he finally hangs it up here and that's uh it's incredibly intriguing i i think we can say right now yeah, I, well, I think it could go one of two ways, and uh, there is that nebulous add-on to his title, right, of the brand ambassador or whatever it is, and so does that mean that, that most of the time he's at, like, the Cannes Film Festival just hanging out with uh, Warren Buffett and, you know, uh, taking pictures, all that kind of stuff, possibly? I don't know, but this is either going to be a phenomenal success or the biggest waste of money in the history of sports broadcasting. And it will be a phenomenal success if a Tom Brady's work ethic shines through, which it will because he doesn't do anything half-assed and B, if he's willing to be honest, if he's willing mm. to give his, it, cause we've started to see that where he was on the LeBron show, the shop, and he's calling allegedly Derek Carr, you know, that mf -er. Uh, he's he's saying all these other players suck, I'm better than them. If that's the guy we're getting in the booth, I will publicly renounce every bad thing I've said about Tom Brady, and I will declare this a massive victory. If he becomes Troy Aikman, and you're just paying $37.5 million a year for another guy to say, oh, this player's, what a tackle, what a, what a guy, he's working hard, then what a tremendous waste of $40 million. Murdoch's, which you should be spending on newspapers. 
<laughs> so sorry, that, that was really good. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, well, uh, I, this former newspaper guy. And yeah, you, you you own a couple. You you own a couple uh, important the Wall Street Journal, mm-hmm. New York Post. You own mm-hmm. a couple places that still do some good journalism. So let's uh, let's keep those alive. Yeah, I mean, what's your gut feel right now? Because look, there was Tom Brady for uh, whatever fifteen plus years in New England, not really saying anything terribly interesting, and then we've gotten Tom Brady over the last couple years who. Yeah, he is he is cursing. He is dropping little uh, mysterious hints about people, and it's all calculated. It's not like he, you know, it's not like he, he had a couple of drinks pre-show and and ran out there and just started uh, sounding off. Uh, it could just kind of it could kind of go either way. Because the other thing that worries me about the league ambassador thing is is he going to really be holding back for that reason? Is this going to be? Uh, like I feel like Tony Romo and Chris Collinsworth have sort of cornered the uh, the enthusiastic analyst type of uh, type of shtick here, and and they're both really good at it. And I don't know if we necessarily need a third guy though to be the to be that guy. Yeah, my thought on this is that I think Tom Brady will probably not even do this. <laughs> to be honest with you, I mean. <laughs> Let this is a guy we're thinking that he's going to follow through on this plan and assuredly some sort of documentation has been signed. They announced it on an earnings call, and I think that means a lot of a lot to certain people who pay attention to that kind of stuff. But this is a guy who retired for 40 days and somewhere in there allegedly tried to climb the power structure of the Miami Dolphins, become a part owner slash president, hire a head coach, and then install himself as the starting quarterback. I think his mind works in ways that we have yet to comprehend. And I don't think sitting next to anyone in a booth and just talking about wheel routes is going to be interesting to him at all. So I think this is either not going to happen, it's going to happen for far less than 10 years, uh, it's going to cause a great deal of frustration to him, just like it did for Joe Montana, or this is a stepping stone to what he actually really wants to do post-football, which I don't know if he knows what that is. Um, I think someone shared the quote with him uh from a profile that he did a couple years back about what's the scariest thing in the world to you. And he said, when my career ends, I don't know what I want to do. And so I, I, I think that signing a 10 year contract uh, for a guy who doesn't, I don't think you, you learned what you wanted to do in two months. I don't think that's changed. One other headline to get to here, Josh Lambeau, former Jaguars kicker is suing the team over urban Meyer kicking him and uh, saying it had uh, a very negative effect on his career. He obviously uh, did not make it very far into the 2021 season before he was let go. And I don't know what else there's really to say about this embarrassing Urban Meyer era in Jacksonville other than the fact that it just never ends. Yeah. um, I mean, I remember being in the office when Mark Mravick, our uh, former editor emeritus of the MQB, used to kick you with regularity. He used to walk (laughs) over to Gary at his standing desk, and he used to hold up tiny little grammatical errors in the magazine, and he used to just kick you right in in the spot between the – what is that called, like the back of your knees? You know what I'm talking about? I don't know what it's called, but yeah, I I know what you're talking about, though. It was was rude. I didn't even yeah. work on those stories. <laughs> that was the thing. Everyone was everyone was wondering what his problem was. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Would you have sued if that was like? Would Would you have sued if you were Josh Lambeau? Uh, I think he probably has nothing to lose at this point, and from a very cynical uh, calculation here, you could probably go to the Jaguars and just be like, "Listen, like you know, he did something really messed up. You fired him." Uh, in part because of that, and so why don't you just give me some money here? <laughs> if the answer is no, uh, we'll go to court. But they, the Jaguars don't want to deal with more Urban Meyer headlines. You know what could be interesting, and 
this will be my deep state theory uh, on this. The Jaguars are trying to fire him for cause, yes? I believe so, yes. And they're trying to not pay him the remainder of his salary, correct? Mm-hmm. So could this be the the trial balloon lawsuit, right? Could the Jaguars have been like, hey, Josh, go sue Urban Meyer, so then that way we don't have to pay him the salary, and then you can just have some of that. We'll just give you some of that. It's... Is that is that, I, is that is that how I just finished the Ozarks? Is this how crime works? I don't know. <laughs> so he's they he's, just make it look so easy. If you were suing the franchise, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. You're the franchise says sue us, so we can have another thing to point to to say this guy should have been fired for cause. Yeah, like we'll have something come out in discovery that's uh, even more oh. damaging, okay. right? And then that allows us, or we can go through the discovery process, and that allows us to somehow disallow Urban Meyer from collecting a paycheck. What do you think about that? Uh, I've been told by listeners not to use this word anymore, but I'll say interesting. Are you you overusing interesting? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm told. told Is that in the comp? I'm told you both are. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be uh, what's what's the other one you're not allowed to use anymore? I can't say halcyon days. I can't write halcyon days anymore. Okay. I couldn't say reading the tea leaves. I got banned from saying reading the tea leaves. And I think it would have really bothered readers to know that when I was saying reading the tea leaves, I was also going like this, like I was making <laughs> a like sort of a motion. I don't know if you've ever seen a tea commercial. But the the guy, the tea master who picks the leaves off the tea, yeah, I was just I was kind of doing this with my hands, uh, and so <laughs> my guess is that was a breaking point not only for my close colleagues but probably anybody on the other side of of this podcast. And God bless you guys for for sticking with us that long. Good to know. I will cut interesting out of the vernacular, and I'll use it more so nobody's happy. <laughs> There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, hey stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or, like, put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. 
with an uplifting scent that smells like coconut. Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. All right, we welcome in our first guest, like ever. We never have guests. <laughs> Woo! Richard Johnson of Sports Illustrated joins us to talk a little bit about that draft and also talk a little about a little bit about uh, some Jacksonville Jaguars recent I, history. Is, yeah. This is not the first NFL podcast I have been on as the resident Jacksonville Jaguars expert. <laughs> That the only resident Jacksonville Jaguars expert <laughs> that my friends in NFL media know. For a team that's won what three games in the last two years, yes. they've they've had a lot of interesting things happen. I joke with I have a friend on the beat, and I joke with him. I'm like, it's every day with this team because <laughs> sometimes it really. I mean, at least during the season, it was absolutely every day with this team. Mm-hmm. I grew up a Browns fan, um, obviously no longer, um, but uh, it, Jacksonville feels more somehow wilder and more chaotic to me. Like the Browns had that real sweet spot in the middle where they were just operating like a normally bad team, you know, where it was just like, let's just get a bunch of crappy free agents and hire the wrong coach, wash, rinse, repeat. Now they seem to be back to epically doing weird things. Um, but Jacksonville seems to, it, it's always very explosive. It's always very chaotic. I used to say that there was nothing worse than being bad and boring. Like that, that I'd rather have bad and interesting. True. And fellas, I disagree with that assessment. <laughs> I, I fully disagree with that previous assessment that I had. I would like to revise that for the record. This sucks. <laughs> Well, let's start more broadly here, because you are also going to be our college football expert here. Uh, I don't want this to sound accusatory, but uh, this wasn't fully your fault. But uh, why was the 2022 draft so bad? Oh, boy. Well, look, it's not our fault to give you guys the best player to to get the players to be good. NFL coaches got a coach like everybody knew that. I think everybody knew that last year's quarterback cycle was sort of a diamond in the rough, you know, incredible quarterback class, transcendent quarterback class. Um, I really thought that we'd at least have one going into this season. Everybody thought Spencer Rattler was going to be QB one. Um, and, and, you know, we, we'd at least have Spencer Rattler in this class. Obviously that did not come to fruition for various reasons. Some Spencer's fault, some not Spencer's fault, to be honest. Uh, and Spencer's now at South Carolina. If you want to track his career, uh, as far as if we'll actually have a quarterback worth a damn in the next, uh, quarterback <laughs> class in 2023, um, but yeah, I, I think part of it is obviously most of it is we didn't have a good quarterback. The other part of it is, you know, I, I think when you don't have a quarterback, what happens, right? When you don't have a quarterback, the, the takes really can get crazy. And I think when you don't have a quarterback, people have to fill that vacuum of who's the best player and 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 what do teams need and all that kind of stuff because you can't just plug and play a quarterback. Um, the Jaguars apparently, you know, for instance, at one, spent most of the draft cycle kind of throwing people off the scent until the last week or two. And I know we'll get to Trevon Walker, but, like, there also wasn't a, like, bang-on, nailed-on number one pick until, what was it, like maybe a week, 10 days before the draft even happened. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we we really did kind of go into Thursday night with at least some semblance of intrigue. I, I thought they were going to take Trevon Walker, but I was not a hundred percent certain. Really, when did he emerge, Richard? In your eyes, as a player who would be even worthy of that? And this is something that Gary and I talk about on the podcast uh, a lot. How do you separate him from the rest of that generationally talented defense? So I. I do not think you can separate him from that that defense. I think his production and most importantly his lack thereof is completely embedded and inwoven into the fabric of how Georgia plays defense. If you ask me on pure, you know, talent and production, having watched that Georgia defense 15 times, whenever it was 15 times um, last season, who pops like if I were to list them off, I don't get to Trevon Walker until Eight, wow, not. I mean, and I'm just talking on on who pops on that defense, right? Um, you know, I got to get through three defensive tackles, Lewis Seen, Nakobe Dean, before I even get near putting Trevon Walker in. And, and, and again, I I say that to say that is not Trevon Walker's fault. You have to understand the way Georgia plays defense. You have to understand the way Georgia rotate. For instance, rotated its front seven. There's nobody on that Georgia defense outside of the secondary that played more than I think it's like 40% of the snaps. Nobody's really doing it. What I will say was sort of surprising is that after Adam Anderson got suspended and kicked off the team from Georgia, which was about halfway through the season, um, I was surprised that if Trayvon Walker had some sort of preternatural ability to rush the passer. They didn't slot him into the role that was vacated because of Adam Anderson. Look, Georgia's defense is transcendent, in my opinion, incredible, but they really did it in a we're going to maul you between the tackles and up the middle. Georgia's Achilles heel, if there was one to, to say with that great defense, was we're not great at corner which Jamison Williams showed you in the SEC championship game. And we don't really have a pin the years back pass rusher, which Alabama also showed you in the SEC championship game. Now, again, college football was not, there was no team in college football good enough to really exploit them beyond that Alabama team that one time. And we'll never know what happens if Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt in the national championship game. But Georgia came out and set out to play defense a certain way, which is we don't necessarily have to do that classic pin the ears back, come after you kind of pass rush. We can do it in a different way and we can rotate parts. So, I mean, there are snaps when Javon Walker's lined up at nose tackle. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're blitzing to Kobe Dean all over the place. I don't think Kirby, if you gave him truth serum, wants to use his linebackers to blitz as much as Georgia did last year. But they were able to make it work to a level that is, frankly, quite outstanding. And some of that has to do with uh, the way... Some of that has to do with the way uh, Georgia's defensive scheme goes. They, they're kind of doing this thing that's called like gap and a half, which is sort of like the two gapping days that you sort of think of, you know, the old Steelers or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's somewhere between that and a classic, you know, four, three, et cetera. So that's a little bit too in the weeds. But because of that system, Georgia relied on these space eating defensive tackles more than they really sort of cared about these edge rushers to sort of pin the ears back and go. And so because of that, you drop in a guy with Trevon Walker and you drop him into not only, you know, that defense, but you then drop him into this draft pool where you've got this guy with this just bananas length and physical tools. And then he does what he did at the combine and and you really and and then Trent Balky making that pick first, and you have this kind of uh, perfect storm that leads to Trevon Walker being the number one pick in a different year. He's not the number one pick, but it's this year, and so you know you, you take him. So so my follow up to that because you and I are both uh, probably. Uh, I think there's maybe going to be a psychological term for the illness at some point, but obsessed with coaches um, at, a, at a very weird level. Uh, Kirby Smart, what can you tell me about him in in this in the sense that like if Bill Belichick drafts an Alabama player, he knows everything about that player. 
does Kirby Smart have some kind of relationship or that level of relationship with NFL people? And, you know, if you're Trent Baalke, do you feel good enough about the information that you're getting from Georgia to stake the remainder of your football career, which is remarkable that it's lasted as long as it has, <laughs> on this pick in in such a in such a grandiose way? I, I kind of think it's a fascinating question because I don't I think you're probably if you're the NFL, um, you know, I, I'd imagine that if you're taking Kirby Smart as an offshoot of Nick Saban, you are kind of have an understanding of knowing what you're getting to an extent. Mm-hmm. I think what the Trevon Walker pick says to me more than anything is that a Trent Balky's trait loving sort of thing won out as a decision maker, but also and if you follow NFL teams closely enough, this should scare you. The coaches in that building are saying, we can coach him up. We can mm-hmm. give him a few moves. Connor, I know you've been around NFL buildings enough to know that every coach thinks he can just coach him up. Mm-hmm. And we are about to find out, I think, is the easiest way to say that. Uh, yeah. Gary, you and I have talked about that before. I mean, God bless... Mike Caldwell, right? I mean, this is a precarious spot where you have this traitsy, off-the-charts athletic guy, and there's three scenarios that I see in my mind, and I'm curious both of your guys' thoughts on this. The first is that Trevon Walker has a Cleo Mack-like rookie season. Like, he he has a really good rookie season. You have Josh Allen coming off the edge on the other side. You he 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 is a prototypical edge on the other side and he gets to the quarterback. The second thing is that he has a great season, but amasses no glamorous stats, right? And then the pick looks crappy by default. And it's only those people who care to watch a ton of Jaguars tape and say, no, 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 he's actually really good um, that are going to think that's a good pick. The third one is that coordinators just aren't that creative and the pick is going to suck because he's being put in a bad spot. And, you know, I think there's like, there's three ways to look at that. I think given as much Jacksonville Jaguars football as I have watched in my life, I think three, (laughs) I think three is probably the most likely because I've been Uh, burned before, but no, I I think two is probably where we'll end up because I think two is what happened. Door number two is what happened with Trevor Lawrence last year. Nobody watched the Jag- Nobody watches the Jaguars. Again, not going to hold that against you. Nobody watches the Jacksonville Jaguars, so they just see the interceptions, and they. And I imagine we'll get to Trevor in a little bit, but they don't see you know receivers running the wrong routes into doggone week twelve. They don't see receiver three receivers in the you know in the same spot against the Patriots on the road. God, you're going to wind me up. They don't see that kind of stuff. <laughs> what they do see is is interception numbers and a lack of production. And I think that that may be what happened with Trayvon Walker. I do not have I Trayvon Walker is probably the best run defender out of any of them. To be fair, um, go watch how Georgia defends the run, and you'll see it. George, uh, Trayvon Walker is about the best run defender in that draft. But you know, there's no stat that they calculate for setting mm-hmm. the edge. You know, his PFF run grade may end up being pretty good, but, you know, they don't give they don't really give defensive player of the year for for setting a hard edge and forcing the run back in between the tackles. Um, So, again, he his pass rush toolkit. I don't want to say it leaves a lot to be desired because of what I said earlier about how much he was on the field, how you know, I mean, like it's a similar thing to Jordan Davis. I don't know what your pass rush toolkit can really be because I know what I saw, which is not that much, but then I have to drop that into context and say, how much were you not allowed to show? How much were you not able to show? Um, and, and, and so that is the question with Javon Walker, and that is where we get to. Coaches are going to say, I can teach him a move or two because he's got this length, and then you get, you know, you, you give me hives. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing that's going to come up, and and we have not seen the schedule yet. We're taping on a on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon here, but the Jaguars need some like Sunday night football games so Chris Collinsworth can sort of you know put the focus on Trevon Walker and here's you know, a guy exactly like he's not going to get that. He's just going to be on with. Uh, Spiro Didi's yeah, at I, one o'clock on CBS. I like you know. Spiro, and I feel bad that we always pick on but him. He calls but, the uh, worst. <laughs> he's he's a good broadcaster, but he, he is, calls the he worst is. game every single week. Him it is and the worst. 
him and Andrew Catalan. I get yeah. a lot of him and Andrew. Who again? I think Andrew Catalan's fantastic, but they're sticking my guy with with Texans Jags at one third yep. with at one o'clock. It's Constantly. it ain't great. Ah, uh, well let's uh, let's move on to Trevor Lawrence here. Uh, there is that. I noticed this week there's a highlight reel uh, being circulated here on Trevor Lawrence. I always uh, I always uh, am, am wary to dip a toe into the if you take Mitchell Trubisky's best 20 throwers from last season, it's really good type of camp. Uh, look, we are, I don't want to necessarily speak for you here, Connor, but uh, uh, we are a pro Trevor Lawrence podcast here. We're also a pro Daniel Jones podcast here. So I, oh. I don't know. I don't know uh, how you take that, Richard, at this point. But where does Trevor Lawrence stand here uh, after, obviously, what was a, <laughs> a rocky rookie year for <laughs> a number of reasons? I am not worried about Trevor Lawrence at all. I like I try not to be watch the games guy. Mm-hmm. But folks, you got to watch the games. You got to watch it. You you got to watch what this young man is dealing with over the course of a 60-minute football game of 65-70 odd snaps with what the Jags had or didn't have. My young man is out there fighting for his life. And I actually really don't think... I, the offensive line was not that bad, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think that offensive line is average, and I think I'll take average. Like, you can win with average. The Bengals just went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You can win with average. Um, you, you know, you can't win with, with bad or, or below average. Um, I think the offensive line was fine. Running back, I think, the world of James Robinson. We'll see coming off that Achilles injury, but I thought the world of James Robinson until he got hurt. Outside of that, I like DJ Chark a lot. I'm kind of pissed they didn't resign him. That's a different story. Outside of that, he had nothing to throw to. I I have a buddy who who is a big Lions fan who's like Marvin Jones is really good. Like he played really well with Matt Stafford. Didn't see it. Lavisca Chenault, whether it's square peg in a round hole or whatever. LaVisca Chenault, I do not think, is an NFL number two receiver in your receiving core. And then you have any, well, you have Laquan Treadwell, you have, I, I, I don't care. There's nothing there for him to throw to. Um, there are so many times, I'm serious, there are receivers running the wrong route. Professional wide receivers deep into the season running wrong routes in the wrong place. A passing game with no spacing. It's so bad, so bad around him. And I, 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 but you see the flashes. You see what's in there, and you have to give the context of how bad that football team was last year. Um, I, I do think that moving forward, adults in the room, huge. Adults in mm-hmm. the room is massive. You, you know, if you look back on all the craziness that happened with the Jags last season, obviously, Urban Meyer's the centerpiece, clearly. But you do not hear and did not hear much about that defense being in tumult or being, you know, crazy or what have you. Which is not to say they played great. But a lot of what you heard was happening was happening on offense or with Urban Meyer as far as dysfunction is concerned. Um, I don't think it's an accident. I think that they lacked adults in the room to get the job done. Once Urban Meyer got fired, they did get a little bit better with Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer, you know, being the adults in the room, which, again, is not to say they played well the last four or five, however many games it was over the season. But if you watch that team from week one to week 18, you saw it once Urban Meyer left that, okay, they look like a professional football team, kind of, on offense. Um, so Doug Peterson comes in and does what he basically builds the whole thing out of quarterback coaches, Jim Bob Cooter, Mike McCoy, press Taylor. Those guys are the Jaguars sort of quarterbacks phalanx around Trevor Lawrence to try to get the best out of him. And that's what Doug did in Philly to get the best out of, uh, uh, Carson Wentz. And they did that one year. They almost won the damn MVP before he went hurt, got hurt. So I understand what Doug's trying to do. 
I understand what the Jags are trying to do to get the most out of this guy. Um, to, but I, I just don't throw everything out last year, but understand the context of what it was and understand that I think you're seeing a very talented player, <laughs> kind of like Justin Fields. Some of those mistakes are testing the limits of what I can do. Like it's, it's not a guy who was dropped in like Mac Jones into something that, Hey dude, just keep it on the tracks and we can make the playoffs. Like that's not what either of those teams were. I'm told Justin Fields has a really good supporting cast, Connor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I started that fight again today. Uh, I put them last in the power rankings, and I was I, I you know someone dug up uh, so Richard for your own edification and for everyone else in the podcast that hasn't followed my blood feud for the last uh, four weeks. Um, I wrote that the NFL needed a transfer portal so Justin Fields could get out of Chicago. Uh, needless to say, that didn't go over well with people in Chicago. Um, and so I said, okay, I'm not going to say anything until the draft goes by. Draft went by, and they did nothing to help him. And I said, holy crap, your left tackle is Tevin Jenkins, and he's playing outside zone, and we have no idea if he can play outside zone. Um <laughs> And your right tackle, I think, was the fifth-round pick from that year. Again, like, no idea if he can play outside zone. You just signed Nate Peterman, like, eight minutes ago. Don't tell me you're trying to win games this year. Like, it's just not it's not, a, it's not a feasible argument. And uh, someone dug up my mock draft from uh, two years ago and said, see, he had Tevin Jenkins as a first-round pick. He just hates the Bears. I don't hate the Bears. I like to see people stay healthy and have long careers. <laughs> <laughs> and I want Justin Fields to get out of there. Um, but uh, it makes me happy that uh, you seem to at least have some semblance of faith in Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, where it's not the same kind of situation. Where I don't feel like I have to – I feel like I don't have to put on the heavy gear and just kick the door down in Jacksonville and, and kidnap him and get him out of there. That's what I'm going to do to Justin Fields. Like week four, everyone's going to be like, he can't start the game because we don't know where he is, and I'm going to be taking him to Pittsburgh and just begging Mike Tomlin to somehow trade for him. That's what I'm, I'm gonna I'm, be doing. I'm not like I'm not thrilled that they didn't take a receiver at 33. Um, you know, I'm the the you know building the whole plane out of linebackers as far as your draft cast is concerned is interesting. Um, I would have liked another receiver. I think they think they're set at receiver, which we're gonna find out. But I will say that I think what they've got at receiver now is an upgrade over what they had this receiving mm. core is an upgrade over last year's receiving core I, I like i may think it's kind of odd that you gave christian kirk all that money and you gave zay jones all that money but i kind of like i kind of see a direction and again what are you working off of you're not working off of oh well they just missed the playoffs last year and they're you know and you can see it no, we're we're working off of actually the worst team in the NFL last year. Like <laughs> right. let's let's get this thing to passable, you know, before we you know, before we talk about, you know, make the playoffs or whatever. Like let's get this thing to like 7 and 10 here. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like... <sighs> 
being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Let's uh, let's look at the college landscape for uh, for a couple minutes here before we get to the game show. But uh, uh, the 2023 QB class, uh, what, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, is it? You know, any chance we're looking at like a, a 2021 caliber class here? Do you think it might be that good? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think so. 2021, if we're looking at 2021's draft class, you really went five deep as far as prospects are concerned, right? Five deep got four deep in Mac Jones of guys who you were like, oh, all right, yeah, these guys could potentially be a star here. Um, so what you'll. Going into this season, uh, Will Levis, who's at Kentucky, is a guy who just played in Liam Cohen's offense behind you know a, a fairly suitable offensive line, big arm, played in, in an NFL system, air quotes, um, and who I think a lot of our draft Nick friends are taking an early shine to because of that. Um, you have C.J. Stroud, who I think is probably going to end up QB1 because I think C.J. Stroud is unbelievable. Um, you've got Bryce Young. Bryce Young's going to have size concerns. Bryce Young is not taller than I am in pads. I've stood next to him. Um, so you're going to have size concerns when that pops up. But again, he's going to play in an Alabama system that it's Alabama. They'll, you know, you know what they are. Um, Spencer Rattler could be a dark horse if he is able to uh, kind of have a career renaissance, honestly, at South Carolina in a different pro style system that takes him out of that sort of Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma air raid uh, and puts him in something that is going to stick him under center and have him read out a concept, et cetera, et cetera. You've kind of got those guys, and then you've got you know guys under the radar who you know I'm I'm not thinking of and and who I've missed. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke at Miami is kind of in that second tier guy who who people are sort of starting to pay attention to. Um, I, I don't think you necessarily come into the season thinking we can have you know a, a four deep class of elite traits guys. Um, but I could see how we end up there. I could see the roadmap to us ending up there, which is if you asked me this this time last year, I would not have said that about the 2022 guys, and that bared itself out, bore itself out. What I like about Kentucky, too, I mean, they went out, uh, they lost Cohen to the NFL, and then they go get um, uh, favorite coach of the show, Rich Scangarillo, uh, longtime 49ers uh quarterbacks coach uh one-time broncos offensive coordinator you got to assume that they're going to play they're going to have a little continue continue to have an nfl flavor offensively um and that might kind of i don't know shortcut him in some way shape or form to the nfl because half the teams in the nfl now are running this offense like it's half um and and that's pretty crazy yeah i think that um mark stoops is is I think Mark Stoops would have done this earlier. It like when they had Terry Wilson a few years ago. Like Terry Wilson, just God love him, could not throw the ball. Like that's that was a problem. I, I think they wanted to and have wanted to a while, for a while, run this, you know, zone heavy, like do that kind of stuff. I think that's what he's wanted to do for quite a while. Um, but now they've sort of been able to do it, and I, I think things are really interesting because of that. 
he also, uh, and then we'll move on, but I'm just fascinated with him as well. Like he eats like, he eats like bananas that are like entirely black. Correct. Like that's like he, his thing. It's, right? it's no, 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 no. So it's the thing is he eats bananas with the peel on crazy and like dips them in mayo or something. Yes. It was, it was, that was a site in the beginning of the season. That was like a big news cycle thing uh, on my television show. Unfortunately ate a banana dipped in mayonnaise with the Did peel you? on. No, it was awful. It was awful. Terror. Like I actually almost threw up live on the SEC network. <laughs> walk, walk, walk me through that. Walk me through that texturally. Like what it was. So I, I will say. So I. The, so I should preface. I hate mayonnaise. That's okay. the thing. Good, I hate mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. So it biting into it texturally. Uh, banana peel softer than I expected. Okay. Uh, you really can just you know chomp right through it. Um, but like the butt end, like the bottom end of the banana, like you taste that, which is not great. And then you taste obviously the banana itself. And then the mayonnaise, <laughs> the mayonnaise is like it, it all becomes very mushy, like overly oh. mushy. And that's very tough. Oh, wait, Man. that's, that's Will Levis does that. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. It, it's Gary if you just Googled, removed him from his big I board. Did, no, I did. I, so I I had him and Malik Willis. I thought were were head and shoulders about the rest of the dudes uh, coming in this draft class. And then Levis obviously went back to school, and um, you know it played out how it played out uh, last month. But yeah, this changes everything. Oof. Yeah, if you Google Will Levis banana, it it comes up. It's it's oh. the thing that comes up. It, I think it's like a TikTok <laughs> of him eating a banana uh, with the peel on. Man, Richard, you're gonna have to tell us all about nil in in like 20 seconds, oh, and then. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, it sort of sum up what's happening. What I'm kind of curious from from an NFL standpoint is, uh, I might have this completely wrong, and you can correct me, but I'll just throw it out there. Uh, so my understanding is, uh, you look at the college basketball landscape. Uh, uh, Oscar Tishwebe is that how you say his name at Kentucky? Shebway. 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 Um, you know, he ends up going back to school, gets an NIL deal, you know, had he come out into the draft, maybe what he's, he's probably a late first round, early second round type dude, kind of role player in the NFL. So he ends up going back to Kentucky. He's compensated in a, in a, you know, fair way and gets to, you know, be the best player in college basketball. Are we potentially going to see that with, uh, you know, let's say there was a, a Tim Tebow type coming down the pike here who was a uh, a very good college football player who maybe didn't quite translate to what goes on the NFL here I like I don't think so like I don't think they're one-to-one to be honest with you because I think with basketball players you have the G League as like a stopgap for those guys you know what I mean like if you're not an Oscar Shibway it is Go to the NBA, get underdrafted or maybe not drafted. Go to the G League, make some money. Go to Europe, make some money. Or go back to college and, you know, by the letter of the law, not make any money. Even though, come on, it's Kentucky. Um, As far as the NFL is concerned and college football, I, I just think it's kind of, I think it's a little bit different. Because, you know, if you get drafted, you're gonna get paid. Now, you may not make the team um if you're drafted you know third day but you're still gonna get drafted you're still gonna get paid like i think the calculus is a little bit different because of what is between the two leagues so to speak um i i think that nil in that respect is going to be pretty big for men's college basketball because of that um i think you're going to start to see players who are fringe stick uh, stay in college because um, because they can uh, they can stick in college and they can be paid sort of over the table etc. So I think that's kind of the upshot of NIL for college basketball is concerned. Um, but NIL it's 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 crazy. <laughs> I think it's the, I think it's the easiest way to say it. Um, I, I'm not going to admit or I'm not going to say it's not crazy. Um, I'm somebody who thinks that players should be paid. Um, I think the biggest problem we have with the system is it boils down to this. We opened up unfettered capitalism in 2022. If we would have done that in 1960, we'd have different problems. We'd have smaller in scope problems because we weren't handing out 
$150,000 to kids in 1960 because the sport was not as big as it was, as it is now in 1960. But because you waited and waited and waited a century to do this kind of stuff, capitalism got a lot of catching up to do. And we are right now reaping what has been sown over the last 100 years. It is not directly the fault of the administrators in college sports who are here right now for dealing with these problems. Yes, they are complicit given the last 15, 20 years that they may have been in this career and have not done anything, but they are not to blame for the 80 years prior. But they're part of the problem and they're here now and they are the ones dealing with the problem. So yes, you're going to hear them complaining. You're going to hear them fetching. You're going to hear them, you know, gnashing teeth and screaming bloody murder, the history or the, about the future of college sports and all this kind of stuff. I think a lot of these are pretty substantial growing pains, but they are still growing pains. I think at the end of the day, this is better than what came before, which is, allegedly, they're not getting paid. Now, that is not to say this system is perfect. That is not to say this system uh, does not need to be changed and, and refined and, and gotten to a much better place than it's at right now. This is progress. And I, I think this is kind of the, the seedy underbelly of progress sort of laid bare for everybody to see. What's, uh, I was just going to say, what's, what's Mark Emmert's deal? I mean, he was, to those of us who don't cover college sports, he's just, he was the face of a super unpopular bad system for so many years. But, you, I mean, look, I get the sense that he was also really not very good at his job. <laughs> and I think a result of it is we're seeing it now. Like, there was, there, there was no, uh, they were not proactive in seeing that this was going to come at some point. And now he, well, he's stepping down, so... I guess it's not his issue anymore, but uh, yeah, I, am I missing something here? No, I, I, I don't. First of all, and I am not the person who's going to sit here and defend Mark Emmert, but I will say this. <laughs> Mark, Mark Emmert's job, and he's retired next year, next next summer. Mark Emmert's job is, is both the same and different from a Roger Goodell's job. Like Roger Goodell's mandate is pretty clear. Like you've got these 32 guys and they basically just want to make a lot of money right and so figure out the tv deals maybe you suspend a guy or two and people complain about it but like just make us a lot of money that's not really the case with college sports like there are too many stakeholders behind mark emmert for mark emmert really even to have a clear mandate of what he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to do. There's 1,300 member schools in the NCAA beyond the 100 some odd that you really care about because they play high level either football or men's basketball or both. Um, Mark Emmert's, you know, the, the easiest mandate is, hey, buddy, make sure the men's basketball tournament makes a lot of money. Now, <laughs> it does. Um, where, where Mark Emmert has erred is, you know, in one, the fact that they didn't really like spin out the women's basketball tournament and use that as a cash cow, which they should have done. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to in another couple of years. Um, that's one of the reasons the membership doesn't like him. Um, the other thing is that, and this goes back to a, a chicken and the egg of, it's not necessarily Mark Emmert's fault, but Mark Emmert is, is reaping the sins of the, the 80 years that came before him. The NCAA has to defend in court amateurism. Like, if, if, if it doesn't defend amateurism, the whole thing collapses, like, tomorrow. And there's some people who may think that that's a great idea. I, I, but, like, they, the NCAA has to defend what I think everybody understands is fairly indefensible. And by everybody, I mean, like, it's gone all the way to the Supreme Court and Brett Kavanaugh, who does not me and Brett Kavanaugh do not agree on much of anything. I think if you sat us at a table, but we do agree on this and the NCAA lost, I believe it was nine to nothing in front of the Supreme court regarding, you know what its mandate is. And, and you read some of those opinions, they are searing as far as what the NCAA is. And they are just begging somebody to sue, continue to sue the crap out of the NCAA so we can roll this thing up to the Supreme Court over the course of years. 
The NCAA has to defend the indefensible in court. And because you're defending the indefensible, you will lose. And they are they have continually lost in court over the last five or six years, and they're gonna continue to do so. So it's a slow bloodletting of what this this thing was set up to be. Um I I I do think the NCAA has a place in the future. Someone has to run the thing, whatever mm-hmm. the thing changes to be. <laughs> like someone's gotta run it. If you get rid of the NCAA tomorrow, like there's gonna be another NCAA-ish thing to run the thing because somebody's gotta run the thing. Um you know, the NCAA's mandate should probably be scaled down quite a bit, run the championships, make a lot of money off the Final Four, probably leave, leave high-level football to its own devices um, because a lot of those programs, most of those programs, don't want to, you know, divorce football from men's basketball, for instance, or from Olympic sports. Like, there's not really appetite for that. But I think a future where football is, you know, more and more divorced from the rest of the enterprise is where we're heading. Elon Musk makes a lot of sense. You know. (laughs) Just throw him up there. Just kidding. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico, Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. All right, before we get to uh, more than four, but fewer than six questions, uh, we're just going to have to ask everyone this offseason, what is your what is your takiest take for the 2022 NFL season, Richard? And and by that, it doesn't necessarily have to be the most outrageous take, but what's what's the take you are kind of working on in the lab and you will uh you will live or die with this upcoming season hmm i i would i i have thought about this um second week in january detroit lions can be playing football yes i'm telling you thank you you. i'm telling you Mm -hmm. the way that team played in all those losses last year Think about the Ravens game. You know, the way that team played and all those losses last year. They fight, they scratch, they claw. 
Dan Campbell is not just some venti coffee drinking buffoon. That guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> Those players like him. They just gave Jared Goff some receivers. I, I, they're in, obviously, the weaker part of the NFL. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm workshopping it. I'm workshopping playoffs Detroit Lions. Yes. I think Love we're both that. on board with that. Yes, that is 100%. I'm going to actually like um, – I'm in the process of stealing that and using that for my own, uh, for my own personal gain. <clears throat> All right, new segment we're doing here. Uh, you remember back in the day, Craig Kilborn used to do five questions at the yes, end of interviews, yeah. and uh, well, we can't use five questions, so so we're uh, we're calling it uh, uh, more than four, but fewer than six questions. This is with <laughs> Richard Johnson. You are the first person who has ever done these. Uh, Connor, I guess you take the evens. I'll take the odds. And we'll go. We'll go from there. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All yep. right. Shelby, put forty-five minutes on the clock. Uh, first category is geography. What is the southernmost team in the AFC South? <laughs> the southernmost team in the AFC South. This is a trick question. It's the Texans by latitude, isn't it? It is. That is correct. Wow. Yeah, there One it on is. the board. All right, this one is in the science and arithmetic category. Which number is greater, Richard? Urban Meyer games coached in the NFL or T- Tim Tebow career starts at quarterback in the NFL? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, whew. Tim Tebow career starts at quarterback. Uh, wow. I am going to say... I'm going to say Tebow over because of the playoffs that one year yes you're right tebow 14 urban 13 there he it is. is and it, it doesn't even include the playoffs so oh, okay. uh, All right. so there you go there you go uh next category potpourri what nfc south team currently employs doug marone former coach of not only jaguars but uh connor and and my's uh alma mater there syracuse the university new, the new orleans saints that's very amazing. good very good Good. All right. Arts and culture category on the television show, The Good Place. What current free agent quarterback's last name did character <laughs> Jason Mendoza use as a catchphrase? Bortles. <laughs> All this right. Re- I would have gotten none of this. So <laughs> except, well, except for, except for, uh, except for Doug Marone. That's the only one I would have gotten. Because we looked it up last week. <laughs> like, wait, where's Doug Marone right now? Yeah, that's true. All right, last one. This is a money ball, so this is worth two. Uh, zoology is the category. What color is the Jacksonville Jaguars' tongue on the team helmet? Teal, baby. Man. Nice. We got to make the questions harder. We got to have <laughs> Richard back and give him the, uh, I don't know, give, give him the advanced edition or something like that. Yeah. This is like, uh, that, that had some serious, like, Ken Jennings vibes to it. I'm setting like, the bar. I'm setting the bar high for everybody yeah. who everybody who comes after me. It's you incredible. guys have Breer on? I'm smoking Breer with this. Come on now. <laughs> we should give Albert the same five questions and see how. That would be amazing. The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 